Today I am speaking with Dr. Jonathan Young, the curator of the Joseph Campbell Institute, a theologian in his own right, and a a commentator on ancient aliens who will also be at AlienCon this June. How are you today, doctor? Pretty good. Good to be with you. Uh, it's a pleasure chatting with you again. I know we, we've had an in-depth conversation before about these subjects, but uh, we'd like to touch upon them again. Um, we, we discussed prior that people are often looking for something greater than themselves. And in this era where people seem to only be either prescri- prescribing certain philosophies to their life and negating religion, are either searching for extraterrestrial beings or internal enlightenment. Uh, does the rejection of religion force people to look externally rather than internally? Well, uh, people who reject religion or are in some struggle with the ideas that they have been raised with will often look elsewhere, and they may not think of it as a religious quest, but something that holds mystery perhaps seems a bit transcendent, something larger than oneself, is the beginning of the quest. Joseph Campbell talked about the hero's journey. This is the initiatory adventure or rites of passage where we leave something familiar and go in search of the rest of ourselves, a deeper, wiser self. This usually is projected, and the idea of a psychological projection is there's something inside of us that we imagine in another personality that another person or in the physical environment around us that we are actually encountering something of the unconscious, but it is out in the world the way we first see it. Then gradually the slow process of seeing, oh, I, that's actually more about me than about this other person or more about me than about the UFO, and that's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not to denounce anyone's experience with UFOs, uh, because there are quite a few skeptics that either believe one direction yes and one direction no. But uh, what do you tell the people that have had these experiences where other skeptics would look at them and say, yeah, it's just a figment of your imagination? Well, first of all, that the imagination is a thing of great majesty and importance in the inner life. It isn't it, the fact that something happens in the imagination does not mean it is a lie. Uh, like the word myth, the word myth simultaneously suggests something that is not true and something that is profoundly true. If we talk about a mythic story that informs us and provides us with wisdom about life's experiences, we are on to a great truth. So the experiencers, as they sometimes uh, refer to themselves, and I say they because I am am not somebody who's had an experience or seen anything. I've certainly read a lot of reports, Mm -hmm. but the People that have had an experience have been in something that is of enormous importance. It is important to them. It is probably important to us collectively as a society. But starting with the personal, this is a life-changing event. When you uh, see something that simply does not compute, that you can't fit into your previous thinking, you are breaking through to a greater level of knowledge. This is a developmental transition that is uh, earth-shaking. So to to suggest that something is merely a figment of the imagination, that kind of discounting, condescending perspective, is often said by people that just are stuck in their ways. That is, the person 
presenting. The criticism had, is unable to grasp the idea that there might be something beyond their own understanding, and so they're criticizing others. And it's interesting how hostile people get, how very critical, very harsh those who do not understand are. It, it's, it, it reveals something, the anger at anyone who would see something that uh, others cannot understand. Uh, suggests a level of anxiety that these reports are actually very distressing, and I think they are distressing. I am on the positive side of, of the spectrum. That is, I know that some people see great dangers in the possibility or even the idea of a visitation, and others see a possible benefit. Perhaps there is contact with greater knowledge than we have. I tend to see whatever we're talking about more in positive terms, whether it comes from beyond our planet or not is less significant than what we can gain from it. So I, I have a lot to say to those who have heard criticism of their experiences. Yeah, I, I look at it from a slightly different perspective in that uh, I wouldn't want to be visited because if they can come here and we can't get there, that puts us uh, on a lower rung of the food chain and we're no longer the superior species in our own world. Well, that is disappointing, but then again, that is also a breakthrough to something better. If we can be in the one-down position, it means we're tapping into something far beyond our understanding. That has to be a net plus once we get over our insecurity. Mm -hmm. And with so many people having had these experience, these shared experiences, um, we can't necessarily dismiss what they're seeing as some sort of mass hallucination. Oh, well, that's a very interesting conversation right there. The fact that this is happening to many people shows that it is something very, very significant. It doesn't mean that what they describe is accurate because, like we just said, this is something beyond our grasp. We're doing the best we can to try to describe it. Uh, when something moves around in the sky in a way that is not in keeping with our understanding of the laws of physics, well, perhaps we're breaking through to another kind of consciousness or another kind of physics. Some people describe these motions as something that could happen in a dream. Well, perhaps we're having some massive collective dream. And I'm a psychologist. I'm interested in dreams. I think that they are the royal road to wisdom. So I, I'm not going to discount something because it might be happening in an altered state mm. that suggests that perhaps... The problems of travel can be solved by parallel realities. One of the theories about visitations that I find most interesting is that they might be visitations from the future. That is, these might be earthlings that have cracked the time code somehow and, of course, have advanced civilization, have advanced technology because we've come along over the centuries and they have come back to help us to solve some problem or perhaps just to study us, but I would assume more or less benign motivations. The fact that we don't understand their systems, these uh, technologies that we're encountering, is very humbling, but uh, it, it doesn't mean something good couldn't be happening. Right. Um, you mentioned that you were a psychologist, and Carl Jung had said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that loneliness isn't... Uh, being by yourself, but the fact that when something matters so much to a person and everyone else sort of dismisses it as insignificant, and that's what causes loneliness. Um, with this co community now continuing to build of uh, ancient astronaut theorists, uh, flat earthers, um, young earth versus old earth uh, theologies, 
Uh, how have these conventions helped these people counteract loneliness? One of the things I'm fascinated about, I mean, the reason we're having this conversation because AlienCon LA is coming up in June, and uh, these gatherings, these huge events, which are fanboy-style uh, uh, convocations, they are somewhat like Comic-Con in terms of there is some uh, cosplay and all, all, all the wonderful festive elements of a fabulous big event. But they're motivated partly by, by loneliness. That is, we, we need to find kindred spirits. We need to be around people who have shared experiences, and it is possible. So we take over the L.A. Convention Center. Later this year, I'll also be at AlienCon Dallas, again, in a very big convention center. And we see we are not, in fact, alone that there are thousands and thousands of people who share interests and parallel interests. And that's very interesting what you just pointed out, is that there are a number of things that uh, are happening in the same group. I, I personally am very interested in uncanny experiences, mm. things, ghost, ghost stories, visitations, visions of people that can't possibly be here. Now, that's not about visitations from other planets, but it is, again, encountering something that's beyond our understanding. And I think earnest seekers, people who are interested in learning, should be drawn toward the things that are hard to explain, not pushed away by them. Mm -hmm. um, how does the scientific community versus the, uh, for lack of a better term, alternate, uh, alternative science communities uh, find a balance between uh, what we know in the physical world and what we know in the metaphysical world, or at least what we know about the metaphysical world, and how can we find that balance? Because in ancient times, like astronomy and astrology were the same science up until roughly the Enlightenment. So how do we find our way back to that? One thing about uh, the scientific method, I'm an academic, I'm a university professor, I'm one of those people, and, and the people that do research that gets published in peer-reviewed journals, scientific journals, are looking at the things that confirm their thinking and the things that, that are not in line, that do not support. So you'll get very balanced uh, explorations of topics, and if there's not much data, not much data that can be um, tabulated very well or witnessed by a number of people. One-off reports aren't very useful. It's something that one person sees. If we get a number of people that have had a, a similar experience, then it gets to be more useful data. The problem with most uh, alien astronaut theorists and others interested in topics like this is they tend to go interested, go and seek out those facts that support their ideas, but push aside the ones that that aren't useful, and that, that's simply not scientific. I mean, it's understandable, it's human, it's, it's more like um, boosterism, where you, you just see all, all the good things here, all the useful bits, and you push the others aside. So that's the difference. Uh, science has some, there are some serious scholars that are taking an interest in the idea of visitation. They don't see how it could be possible, how the, how the laws of physics would allow travel from a distant place. So this makes it more of a study of other ways, other possible explanations for what is seen and what the reports might be. One that is very interesting is called sleep paralysis, which is a, a, a kind of, uh, it, it's, it's not a mental illness or anything, it's a physiological event where you wake up but your body is still asleep. Your mind is awake and your body is asleep. And it's, it's a chemical balance thing. It's something that can be explained medically. But the experience is as if you are 
in the world, but not uh, really participating in it. And and people come back from these these sleep paralysis moments with very strange stories, like uh, somebody had uh, anesthetized them and was doing experiments on their bodies, and the, not specifically about little green men, not specifically about alien visitation, but. There, there are possible medical uh, states that, that uh, medical lines of investigation that are very interesting. Not that they necessarily are are the truth or the final answer and explain everything, but that could begin to open our eyes to what might be happening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have experienced uh, sleep paralysis, and it was a very strange sensation. So I, I know what you're talking about. Um, not necessarily, like you said, aliens and whatnot, but there was a metaphysical aspect to it. These are transcendent experiences, and the fact that there might be a chemical explanation does not discount the wisdom gained in such moments. We might simultaneously tap into something greater than ourselves. Right. And what about things like um, <clears throat> um, demon possession or... Um, being visited by heavenly hosts like angels and whatnot. Uh, Would that be explained away in the scientific community as a chemical imbalance, or is there something more to it, as you said, a different astral plane? I don't know the scientific literature, and there is a body, and there are some interesting people that are kind of on the boundary between uh, the the, uh, experiencers and the researchers. Uh, Jacques Vallée's work is very interesting. I, I, I'm more interested personally in the religious study angle that we have the history that you've just alluded to of angel visitations, of fiery chariots coming down from the heavens, all kinds of contact with ghosts and demons and things beyond our understanding. So whatever this is all about has a long history, hence the TV show Ancient Astronauts, the notion that something might have happened a very long time ago that explains things in the present. Or perhaps it is an alternative set of terms, that is, perhaps we're in a vocabulary lesson here, and using different labels for the same things that what was once called angels, and this is part of what Von Donegan gets at, what what were once called gods may have in fact been sentient beings, not unlike ourselves, perhaps more advanced than ourselves, but um, not creators of the universe, just travelers from other places. Uh, which makes it a little more accessible. If this is a religious movement, it is a people's religious movement. It has uh, things that can be viewed right now, not just old texts, but, if you will, to use theological language, new revelations, Mm -hmm. new uh, epiphanies, uh, a a new gospel. That is a, a whole set of ideas that comes from beyond our grasp that may tell us something about the mysteries of life. And as a theologian, um, and as a historian, actually, uh, what do you think when people of modern society dismiss our ancient ancestors and that, oh, you know, they possibly couldn't have had the technology for it, or, you know, the, it's just a bunch of ancient backwards people, yet we still use some of their texts, like the uh, Yigong from China, the Bible from the Middle East, the Quran, you know, the Bhagavad Gita from India for wisdom and philosophical texts. Uh, uh, intellectual history uh, has shown that uh, science and knowledge do not progress in a straight line. Uh, there are there are ups and downs, a roller coaster, and there have been peaks of great technology and understanding long before our time. 
we look at the pyramids and we see advanced mathematics and a precise level of engineering that was lost after that and has been regained. We can do that kind of thing now. But there was a whole long period in between when such skills were, were pretty much lost to us. So I think it's a great discounting to imagine that things of the past couldn't have been at a very advanced level. That's, that's arrogance. It's, it's nowism, as if we are the only bright people around. It's a parallel to the Earth-centered notion that uh, Galileo and others had, Copernicus and others had to overcome, where the assumption was that we are the great special beings of the universe. Nobody could come close to us. Well, that's boosterism. That's understandable pride. But it's arrogance and vanity if taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. Because it, se- you know, it seems that we've been dealing a lot with that, and then just that dismissal kind of gets on my nerves because, you know, we had the Library of Alexandria that had all the wisdom of the world in there and it was burned down. So I could see where we lost all this technology and all our engineering advancements from back then and could only imagine where we would be now if that library hadn't been burned down or any other library throughout the ancient world was still in existence. Like a lot of people, I am drawn to things I don't understand. Uh, Lost wisdom is a fascinating topic. Uh, Strange anomalies, uh, like I was saying earlier in our conversation, uncanny experiences. Uh, Almost everyone, and this is true for my academic colleagues, uh, professors, researchers, and I'll say, but have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever had a, a strange feeling that something just happened that you can't explain? And these rational, serious scientific people will have ghost stories. They will have some experience at some point in their life that they really can't explain. And I'm saying, why don't you research that? And they say, because there's no way to research it. And and this is true. The tools might advance someday so that we can have ways of looking at that. What we have for the moment are reports. We have individual stories. And I'm a lover of story. I think we understand our lives through stories. Uh, Joseph Campbell, you mentioned my association with Joseph Campbell. I was the founding curator of the Joseph Campbell Archives. I'm not with the project anymore. It has been fully cataloged. It's in Santa Barbara, California. People can find it on the Internet. But his work showing us how the great journey of life takes us through a period of mystery and confusion that is actually very transformative. If we can go off into areas we do not understand, it will change us forever. That's how growth happens. Learning is not just adding to what you already know. It sometimes happens in enormous leaps where you, you're in way over your head, and that is actually a good sign. So the fact that a lot of these topics we're touching on here are not fully explained makes them all the more interesting, and they won't all pan out. Quite frankly, I don't think they're all going to be found to be seriously useful, but some of them might, and that is, I think, where curious people are drawn to. What is it we don't know yet? And how do we reignite our curiosity? Because in modern society, it seems that everyone is in their own echo chamber, whether via social media and this is my world political view and anybody outside of this is wrong and I don't want to deal with them and it's caused me crisis and discomfort and whatever else versus curiosity that's like, all right, let's go examine why you feel this way and why you disagree with the opposition. Well, I I work on an individual level. I'm a psychologist, a psychotherapist. I have a practice which is mostly online. A a lot of the people I work with are very interested in these parts of life, and one of the reasons they've sought therapy is to get some support and some ideas about what's going on in their life, why they have seen something, the effect it's had on their relationships. I mean, this is a very personal thing, and it impacts friends and employers. 
frankly, I think it's important to be very choosy about who we tell these things. There's an old saying, the difference between a mystic and a psychotic is that the mystic knows who not to tell. So there is the personal challenge of trusting that something is important in our lives, that our lives themselves are important, that the story of our journey is something worth taking seriously. The unusual parts are particularly significant. And if we write a memoir, it can be very helpful to honor the things that others did not understand. And if you're around people that don't understand you, uh, make new friends. Come to Alien Con. Find some people that understand what you're doing. Right. I like that, you know, and it's uh, it's a great plug for Alien Con, which I will be there, and I'm excited to be there. This is my first time attending. Um, you have, I assume, you have a couple of panels that are going on uh, that weekend. They don't tell us much in advance. We'll find out about a week before. But I've been to several of these now, and they're amazing gatherings. For one thing, I think they're history making. I think something is happening in intellectual history. The scholars aren't really into it yet, but the the fans. The, the seekers, the experiencers get together, and the people that are on the program, that are on the program since it started, alien, ancient, alien, uh, ancient aliens, so I got sort of tongue tied there, uh, has been doing very well all over the world, and the audience keeps growing. I'm very impressed with the, the production values, and I get along very well, even though we have very different ideas about it. Uh, Giorgio Tsoukalos is, is brilliant, a great storyteller. Um, uh, so we have a, a range of ideas on the panels. And we kind of debate with each other. We're very friendly about it, but we have very different points of view. Mine is the more psychological. I don't even follow the question very much about what is it, can it be verified. I'm more interested in the personal impact, how it affects the individual profoundly and affects their relationships, and the shock they have to cope with of of being abnormal for a while or seen as abnormal. That's really uh, devastating emotionally, so there are personal challenges to how to deal with the change, and it is a change. I think in the end, a change for the better. I, as I keep saying, I think it is a profound moment in that person's life and needs to be honored in some way. And what was the profound moment in your life when you turned to psychology, theology, and history to want to examine the human connection? Right. I'm just one of those people that was always asking, well, starting with a very fundamentalist childhood religious background, but I, I uh, kept asking, why is this religion better than others? And there was no good answer to that. Mm-hmm. The, you, you, the answer was, well, it just is, or because the Bible says so. I mean, these, these, these are non-answers. And, and uh, if you ask enough questions, you're not fully part of something the way others are that don't question it so much. So I, I sort of ended up in religious studies and psychology and and sort of going into the big questions of the meaning of life. Joseph Campbell had a very interesting comment about the meaning of life. He says, we're we're asking, we're we're framing the question wrong. We don't need the meaning of life in a sentence. We don't need it as an idea or a philosophical insight. He said, what really works, what we're really longing for is an experience of being alive that is so real and intense that it fulfills us. That will answer the question. And he, he it's very interesting because he, he framed it as a very different kind of question. I think people on the path asking themselves big questions, going toward the things that confuse them, even if it's upsetting at times, have the chance of entering the vitality, the radiance of being alive in such a fulfilling way that it provides that sense of meaning they have been longing for. 
And what's the first step to find that meaning as an individual? Oh, two things. Uh, the, the one that Joseph Campbell uh, suggested, uh, it usually stated as follow your bliss. Follow those things that speak to you that have been beautiful, that have been emotionally moving, the things that are important to you. Track your passions. Another way of saying it is follow your weird. That is the thing about you that's a little different. That always has been. This is where creative people go. The important thing in creative thing in activities, whether it's making a movie or a painting or a, a short story, is to say something different. Make it surprising. Make it unusual. Well, we have elements within our personalities that are a little unusual. So following the weird is a great way to discover the new in our own story and possibly in a form that can be contributing, make a contribution to the, to the community, which is what an artist does. Mm-hmm. Another whole dimension of this question is, what has hurt us? How are we wounded? Where is our pain? Because the unique shocks and traumas of our lives, and this is, as a psychotherapist, what I, of course, work on a lot, the unique things that have injured us actually alter our reality. They are little cracks in the consensual assumptions of others. They will open up uh, pathways that were not available before they happened. So in a way, it's really alchemy. We're making gold out of something that is awful, the lead of pain, of suffering. And this is how it works. This is how we can get out of our set ideas into something larger than ourselves and larger than we thought we would ever know. Yeah, these are concepts that that people that have been hurt or are still struggling through hurt are really going to have to face at some point. And I I love the take on uh, following your weird. Uh, But what happens when your weird becomes the new normal? Well, then just keep following it. It won't stay normal for long. And that's another good point. It does not stand still. Everything we have been talking about is in motion. And and, uh, solid answers, tidy answers... Uh, smug answers break up. They don't hold very long because uh, ideas keep evolving and we keep we keep learning. So enjoy the ride. That is, the discovery is awesome and there are some wonderful things and you get to be sure of yourself briefly and then that too will change. Uh, let me get a little plug in. Sure. My website is, is folkstory.com and people that are interested in, in my writings and my ideas or contact with me or anything can go there. Articles are in there and links to lectures I've given and workshops and books and things like that. Perfect. Dr. Young, the, this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad we got to reconnect. Uh, thank you for your time. AlienCon this June in Los Angeles. I can't wait to see you face-to-face and uh, chat some more about this in person. All right. Best of luck. Thank you. Take care.